listening to History Man 1781, a project of ekbarns.com. On today's podcast, it's actually the second episode of the Battle of Williamson's Plantation. On the first episode, we talked about July 11th, 1780, the lead up to the actual battle itself. And this particular episode, we're talking about July 12th, when Captain Huck and the British are actually confronted by the Patriots under William Bratton, John McClure, and Edward Lacey. So thank you, Zach, and we look forward to hearing what else we had to talk about. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So um, just just a, a quick quick recap in case this is a, is a second um, podcast in the Williamson's Plantation um, story. Um, Colonel William Bratton uh, and other Patriots, um, a detachment of General Thomas Sumter's brigade, have come to um, the, the house of James Williamson. This is the uh, the neighbor of Colonel William Bratton. And, and Huck had come in search of Patriot leaders. And after um, attempting to figure out where Colonel Bratton was, um, after interrogating Colonel Bratton's wife, he had proceeded on to Williamson's plantation where he was going to spend, spend the night. Um, so you were saying Williamson's plantation had oats and, and yeah, fields and it uh, it was a logical place. It would right. have been a logical place for for Captain Hook to um, to spend the night. Like like I was saying, in the, in the early morning hours of July twelfth, seventeen eighty, um, the first shots of of the Battle of Williamson's plantation are gonna gonna ring out. Um, remember that there's a combined British force here. You've got loyalist militia. Um, which are going to be the, the first group of soldiers that are attacked by William Bratton and his patriots. Um, but then you have the New York Volunteers, which are provincial soldiers, and the Dragoons that are camped right at Williamson's home proper. And Huck himself had actually spent the night inside the Williamson's home. So at 4.53 a.m., when Bratton's group attack, they're going to attack the Loyalist militia first. These shots are going to ring out. Um, the Loyalist militia, again, as we said, are not going to be prepared for this. It's, it's early in the morning. They um, they have uh, been preparing their their breakfast, getting the horses ready for the day's ride. Sure. And and I think we mentioned their their weapons most likely would not have been loaded. You wouldn't load your weapon and and then spend the night with your weapon loaded due to condensation. They they would not have been ready to fire. So the loyalists were completely unprepared for this attack. So the patriots under William Bratton make quick work of the loyalists, and then they move on to the provincials. The the professional soldiers that are encamped at Williamson's Williamson's home. Now, I have heard that the provincials were basically uh, regular British Army at that point uh, for the duration of the war. Right, and that's a, that's a good distinction to make. I mean, you would have you would have some soldiers that um, came over from England as part of the English occupation force, correct? Um, which were which were soldiers for soldiers for life, and some of these provincials were members of the English occupation force, soldiers soldiers for life. Um, but then, but then you're right. You have some that were recruited from the American colonists. For for example, Huck. Right, Huck was not right. an occupation soldier. Um, he, like we had said earlier in the previous podcast, he uh, he was a lawyer in real estate. Guy from from Pennsylvania. He but his he military training later. at that point was really no different than the regular army that that came in as an occupation force. Sure, there would have been there would have been um, similar training, but um, you could I mean you could argue that that Huck probably I mean I have heard people argue that Huck might not have been the best military tactician of his time. Sure. Um, Due in part to, I mean, this failure uh, at at Huck's defeat on his part can definitely be seen as as an error on his part. 
uh, <laughs> as as a military strategist, right? Well, well, he doesn't have a way, have a way to to defend himself no, at this point. Definitely, does he? definitely <laughs> not. No. So, Bratton and his men make quick work of the uh, the loyalist militia. They proceed on to these provincials, and um, they make fairly quick work of the provincials too. This this battle itself lasts anywhere from five to ten minutes. It is that's no, it. That's it. It is not a long battle. Um, so Bratton and his men make quick work of the provincials as well. Huck, of course, um, hears the initial gunshots of okay. Bratton and his men attacking the the loyalist militia, and uh, he had been inside the home of the Williamsons. Like I said, he spent the night there, and um, just like he had forced Martha to make him dinner the night before. He's going to force uh, the Williamsons to make him breakfast. So he's eating breakfast. He is um, making veiled threats to the Williamson family when these shots ring out, and he grabs his helmet and his saber, and he steps out on the porch to see what's going on. And thinking very quickly, the Williamsons close the door behind him and bar it to keep him from re-entering the home, which is very unfortunate for Huck because he has forgot his green dragoon coat. And much like the Battle of King's Mountain where... Ferguson is an easy target because of what he's wearing. Huck becomes a very easy target because of his lack of coat, right? Um, because all of Huck's dragoons are clad in green, Huck is now wearing just his white shirt, and he, he makes an easy target for Patriot Marksman. Huck is going to attempt several charges with his dragoons. He's going to mount up and attempt several charges, um, all of which are going to be unsuccessful. At this point, a lot of the Patriots are firing from a peach orchard that the Williamsons have on their property, which make it extremely difficult for Huck to to have a successful cavalry charge against them. They're, they're protected. The Patriots are protected by not only this peach orchard, but the split rail fences that line Williamson's property. So Huck's cavalry charges will be unsuccessful, and at a certain point in the battle, he sees the writing on the wall, and he makes a break for it back down Williamson's Lane. It is important to mention that it is about this time that Lacey and his men arrive. Okay. So remember, it was broken into two different groups. They split the Patriots pretty much 50-50, one under the command of William Branton, one under the command of Edward Lacey. How many? They were they would attack from opposite sides. That's a, that's a great question. Um, under William Branton, um, you probably would have had... Bratton had approximately 61 soldiers under his command, um, and then Lacey had 44 initially. And then and then they would have split it. You've got another 35 under Andrew Neal in the new acquisition, and another 35 approximately under John McClure. Um, so you're looking at about 80 and 80, if, if we're being very broad with, with the math, um, very general with the math, probably about 80 and 80. Okay. Um, um, so right around in there. Um, we're looking at a little over 100 soldiers altogether sure. uh, under, under the Patriots. So they would have split up and attacked from both sides. Okay. Um, unfortunately for Lacey um, and his men, their uh, march was a lot more difficult. William Bratton and his men were just going down Williamson's Lane. It, it was a road. Mm -hmm. um, Lacey, on the other hand, was going through the forest, um, bushes, at brambles at night, early morning. It was dark. Um, so he is delayed. So by the time Huck is failing these cavalry charges and considering making this break, that's when Lacey and his men, uh, approximately around that time, they arrive uh, to the battle. Um, Huck is going to try to make this escape, and uh, a couple patriots are going to follow him. Um, 
one of them is going to be a guy named John Carroll, and the other one is a gentleman named Charles Miles. And Miles and Carroll are going to fire simultaneously at Huck as he is riding away, and Huck is going to fall from his horse. He's going to be he's going to drag his saddle down with him, um, including his still holstered pistol. Right, Huck didn't even get a shot off. He he gets struck by either Carroll or. Um, Miles, right? John Carroll or Charles Miles, and he falls from his horse. And now, of course, since they both fired simultaneously, as soon as Huck falls from his horse, the two begin arguing over who actually killed Christian Huck. Is the battle still going um, on? The, the, battle, the battle is winding down at this point. It has become obvious that once it's obvious that Huck has been killed, um, the loyalists start surrendering or trying to uh, then escape, right? Um, so th- the battle is wrapping up at this point, which... Then we have this argument with Carol's and Carol and Miles, like who actually killed Christian Huck? And actually, a third a third guy steps up and says, "I, I shot him. I'm the one that killed him." So now we got three people arguing over who killed Huck. Um, but ultimately, John Carroll is the one who gets all the credit for it um, because he argues. He says, "Well, I loaded two bullets, two two rifle balls into my rifle." Um, and if you look at the back of Huck's head, you're going to find two bullet holes, right? One above the other. Um, and if you find that, it means I killed him because I was the only one here that loaded two rifle balls. Story is that when they looked, sure enough, two bullet holes right in the back of Huck's skull. So John Carroll gets the credit, at least, for killing Christian Huck. Um, it certainly doesn't take away from the valor of the others. So. No, no, certainly not. Certainly not. Um, so, and that's the story, at least. There, sure. There's a lot of stories um, um, around, like, who actually killed Christian Huck, just like there's a lot of stories around who actually killed Patrick Ferguson, right? Um, so, once the battle's wrapping up and prisoners are being taken, um, Colonel Bratton hears a story from one of the prisoners, one of the, the British prisoners. Uh, he hears the story of the Reaping Hook incident that took place the day earlier when the red-headed New York volunteer uh, named Henry had threatened Martha with the Reaping Hook, and John Adamson, right, the Honorable Tory, had stepped up and saved her. Well, the, the story has been misrepresented. It's been mistold to Colonel Bratton. He is told by this British prisoner that it was John Adamson that held the Reaping Hook to Martha's throat, that it was John Adamson who was threatening her, not the one who saved her. So Bratton draws his sword and starts marching around the battlefield looking for Adamson, the guy that he believes threatened his wife the day before. I mean, he finds him. Now, if you remember, um, this will probably be in the earlier podcast, but if you remember that Adamson at this point has fallen from his horse and impaled himself on a pine sapling, right, a pine stop, and he's bleeding to death on the battlefield. And uh, William is going to dispatch him. William Bratton's going to, to end his life because he believes that John Adamson is the one that threatened his wife the day before. And John Adamson stops him, and he says something to the effect of, um, my life is not long, I'm going to die anyway from this wound, but to save you from doing something you're going to regret for the rest of your life, because you will be killing an innocent man if you kill me, why don't you go get your wife, and she'll come down to the battlefield, and she can corroborate my story. Right. And it is th- it's at this point that William Bratton realizes he's completely forgotten about his wife and kids. He had assumed that they were in Williamson's home as well, and they weren't. So he sends um, someone back to go get his family. Interestingly enough, they had spent the entire battle locked in that garret. If you remember, Huck had locked them up there. And through the and, battle— and for our listeners, a garret would be the upstairs— Absolutely. Up, it's upstairs. It's uh, like an, a small attic living space, okay. right? A small right. attic living space. So they had been locked in this small attic living space, Martha and her five children. 
And Williamson's plantation, like I said, is they're the neighbors of William Bratton. It's close enough to Bratton's home that through the battle, William Jr. recounts hearing bullets hit the side of the house. It was so dangerous for them to be up there that Martha actually moved her children inside the fireplace. They had a, a brick hearth upstairs in mm-hmm. this garret area. Right. Moved the children in the fireplace in case bullets came through, they'd be better protected. One actually does come through and it hits the fireplace and it falls harmlessly to the ground. And William Jr., the story is that William Jr. takes the bullet and he keeps this bullet with him for much of his life as a um, souvenir, right, of, of the battle. So Martha is summoned, right, um, and she goes down to the battlefield and she sees John Adamson. But at first she doesn't recognize him because he is so covered in his own blood and he is so pale from blood loss that she does not recognize this person. It is not until he speaks to her um, and reminds her that of who he is that she recognizes him, and she stays her husband's hand. She says, don't kill this man. He saved me. He's not the one that tried to hurt me. He saved me. So quickly, they pick up Adamson, and they take him back to the Bratton's home. Um, It is important to note that Bratton's home was being used as a makeshift hospital at this time. Um, After the Battle of Huck's Defeat, a lot of the injured soldiers were taken back to Bratton's home. Martha had somewhat of a reputation for being a backcountry healer, um, so she she understood the medicinal values of, of certain plants and roots and things like that. So she um, was there to doctor on some of these injured soldiers, and a place was made. William Jr. remembers distinctly some of these injured soldiers being thrown out of the house, like out into the front yard, to make room for the honorable Tory, right? So Martha is going to attempt to save John Adamson's life, but ultimately she will be she will be unsuccessful. Um, his wounds were too great, and he'll he'll succumb to succumb to his wounds a little later. Um, so that is um, the end of the Battle of Huck's Defeat. That that is essentially the battle. But as we mentioned um, in the introduction, this is a very important battle. Um, it is a turning point in the revolution for the for the backcountry of South Carolina. Not only does this mark the very first time that a group of patriot militia are able to overcome a group made predominantly of professional British soldiers, but it's going to boost the morale in the area. Like I said earlier, um, Thomas Sumter's numbers are going to nearly double as a result. Um, The partisan bands in the area, they're going to swell in rank because people who had otherwise not considered fighting for the patriot cause, maybe they were um, scared or, or uncertain as to which side they wanted to fight for, this patriot victory is going to to make them decidedly patriot and they're going to they're going to join up and the ranks are going to swell. Brattonsville is a is a, a great starting off point for the the battles in the upstate. I appreciate your your input on that. Of course. I've got some one, one other question. Sure. Uh, tell me what liberty means to Zach Limhouse. Wow, this is a great question. It's a, it's a hard question to answer because uh, of course I like the way you phrased it. What does liberty mean to me? Cuz liberty means something to I'm sure something different to to everyone. You know, the, I guess the definition of liberty, right, is, is freedom. And I think liberty, liberty to me uh, is, is the people that fight for, um, for what they know is right, um, to, to fight against injustice, um, is, is liberty. Um, and that's definitely what um, I think a lot of these backcountry South Carolinians, these, these York County natives were doing. They were, they were fighting against injustice and not just, not just the patriots, but our honorable Tory, right? He, he saw something that was unjust, 
and he stood up for what he believed in, even though it was not the popular or safe thing to do, right? It's important to keep in mind that people that spoke out against the British government in this way, they were committing treason. They were, they were speaking against injustice. They were risking their lives in, in doing so. So I think, I think that's what liberty is, is, is fighting for what you know is right, um, for fighting for freedoms that you know you, you deserve. It's at sometimes a great, a great risk to yourself. Thank you so much for that input. Thank Absolutely. you so much for this, uh, this great review of, of York County's Revolutionary War history, and we look forward to more episodes. Absolutely. Thanks so much.